Quest episode 201. I'm your host, Mike Epps, aka Wheels, playing Apex Legends, and with me as always... Founding member of a club known as the Bumbling Fools. I know, I get that reference. I'm a master. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was put in there for you. <laughs> and doesn't get that reference, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Minogatari. <laughs> it's not worth getting unless you already care, so it's fine. I'm 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 not aware of the reference either. This is Robert Albright, aka the Mighty Tam. Pleased to have Yay. you. I've been yelling at you in the stream to join us at some point for a while. So you know, fulfillment fulfilling of a prophecy, if you will. Yeah, no, it just it, uh, it just uh, all happened to work out. I had today off because my uh, kids had a doctor's appointment at zero eight hundred. So just Ugh. took the day off to make it easy. Lovely. And- and just all uh, like uh, all sorts of things fell in line for today. My federal tax return came in. That happened. This happened. I mean, just it 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 all just the all the stars aligned for some reason today. All the stars of destiny aligned. <laughs> uh, I understand that reference. <laughs> gonna keep so do I, because I'm playing through Jordan Five. <laughs> then I'll throw a curveball by referencing like one of the Yakuza games or something, and yes. its brain will short-circuit. Yes, and uh, I apologize to anyone watching this on the stream live. I swear there will be gameplay at some point. Oh, God. And I <laughs> fell off a cliff. Don't make promises you can't keep wheels. No, it's fine. I just fell off a cliff. All right. <laughs> See? You're fine. You're free. Hey, I'm enjoying the, the Persona 5 gifts here, so, you know. Yeah, they're quality. Uh, I feel like I need. I'm gonna have to make this even more elaborate at some point. I'm I'm concerned. Like you're running out of real estate to make it more elaborate. <laughs> so, I mean, it's also starring my favorite character in the in the game. Who's that? I'm for, I'm spacing her name, but it's basically oh, the Futaba. the gal on every single one. Futaba. Yes. Yeah, she's she's one of my favorites as well. Uh, but, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. sh- should we do what have we been playing first? Sure, sure. That'll give you time to finish whatever the what whatever you're playing. That we well, there's two squads good. left, so the end of this what game is imminent. Uh, yeah, Gaijin, uh, what you been up to? Well. I think I mentioned last time I was going to try and work through my backlog of Switch games. And so there was this one oddity that I found for under 10 bucks at the store that mm-hmm. thought I looked at, or I thought it looked interesting. And I realized that, hey, it's actually playable in English if I go through my American account on the Switch. this It's not that much easier to understand yes. in English because mm-hmm. it's a really weird game. <laughs> Really weird game. Um, but have you guys heard of a game called Super Cane Magic Zero? Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> it is weird. It's, um, oh, let's see. What's the, something that you might have played even similar to it? Um, did you guys ever play Kingdom of Loathing? I've uh, heard of it. I've heard of it. I am aware of what goes on in it, but I did not yeah, play it. Yeah, it was like, Kingdom of Loathing is a stick figure um, online RPG 
And this game is its very colorful action RPG equivalent. Interesting. I doubt it's by the same by anyone anything close to the same people. However, it is very much in the same vein of I'm not quite sure. Excuse me, not quite sure what people were smoking when they were making it. <laughs> it's fun. It's just weird. Very weird. Oh, that's a good start, anyway. I mean, weird can be refreshing in its way. Yeah, I believe that. See, how did I describe the plot to Nick? So something like, once upon a time last Thursday, the great wizard Cake, who only makes cake with his magic, died somehow. And his dog inherited all of the magic powers and promptly went on a rampage. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so your character apparently is a comet who crashes down to Earth and gets immediately arrested for making a crater without a permit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> except, that's pretty ridiculous. Except right after he gets put into jail, the president of the world resigns due to lack um, or citing lack of sufficient internet access and voids all laws on his way out, so everyone gets let out of prison. Hmm. Huh. That's the first five minutes. That's the first five minutes? <laughs> yes. All right. What's going on here? Yep. So, um, yep, so we've got murderous root vegetables. Um, we've got the Foot Clan that are actually literal feet walking around. Um, got, um... Yeah, it it gets it's it's just weird. It's just very weird. Yeah. So that uh, taking up most of your gaming time. Well, no, most of my gaming time is being taken up by a sick daughter for the last three days. Oh. That'll do it. That's not a video game, though. To be fair. Nope. Or, but she is in sleep is. mode right now. It's it's a game of life. <laughs> Real life, but still a Got game. Permadeath and harsh penalties. I don't like it. Mm. Yeah. I'm hoping she's doing okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean she's much better today. It's just I mean uh we don't want to send her back to nursery school for the last day of the week only for her to just completely crash again. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately it is not sunny or it's actually rather rainy today, so I couldn't take her out this morning. Thing. So, so instead she watched like five episodes of Tots on Disney and had had her oranges and just went to sleep. Good choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tam, you want to talk about what you've been playing? What you've been up to? Um... So, I've, I've touched off and on for a couple games. Um, watching Paul's play uh, East 9 got me wanting to try East again, because um, I first tried Ark of uh, Nephishtim, or as I keep calling it, Ark of Nepotism, because I mm. misread the title. Um, Oops. This <laughs> is so what happens that back when on you make your PS2. title nonsense words. <laughs> Yeah, so I tried that way back on the PS2, but that really just kind of uh, turned me off from East. Um, but watching her play 
uh, Monst uh, East Nine Monstrum Knox really kind of want me to give it another try because it looked more in a vein I enjoyed. So I've tried. Um, I've been playing eight on the PC, and I've been playing, and I bought nine on the PS4. But um, unfortunately, getting PS4 time is a little hard because my kids like to monopolize it, as children are wont to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly watching YouTube videos. <laughs> granted they are japanese usually it's a cross between stuff for my little ponies or japanese players playing dragon quest builders too okay. female japanese players who, who have very soothing voices so they they are really nice to watch because because of the voice, uh, you know, some of the ones my children watch are usually very soothing. They're just the voices, they sound very nice. It's like the Mirror Universe version of children watching shrill Minecraft YouTubers. Occasionally he'll watch those, but not as often. Um, and then, um, so I've played a little of 8 and 9. Um, I actually really want to go for the gusto on super robot wars t so i'm actually oh, nice that's a good one yeah no i've been playing that one um i just got to the turninado rex so i don't i think i'm maybe about halfway through maybe a third though i don't understand that reference that's the name of the mech mm. That's like the upgraded version of your starting mech. Uh, okay. So I think I'm maybe a half, but I'm probably closer to a third of the way in. Yeah, that's about right for that. Um, and then um, I've uh, been helping a few friends in Final Fantasy XIV. And then I also picked up Bravely Default 2, which was on the list of things to get. And again, just you know windfall of timing federal tax return came in state tax return came in um so i was able to pick that up as well so that's sort of been my week of gaming is just all over the place hmm. well i mean variety's a spice of life i suppose are you enjoying bravely default or have you started it at all um, I'm, I, I just left the first town. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I bought it last night and it downloaded today. So I'm, oh, I'm not very far. <laughs> so that, that's basically, again, my, been what I've been doing. Um, that and I just bought a whole bunch of stuff off the Final Fantasy XIV store. Such as, um, I finished all the mount. I finished buying all the mounts, all the emotes, and all of the chocobo bardings. Nice. So, which means I'm all caught up. Which means next year's tax return, I can start getting all the orchestrations, all the minions, and whatever new mounts they come out with. <laughs> So, and 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 that's really it. That's that's all I've got. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we can kind of see what Wheels has been playing yes. on the 
on the stream right now. But uh, let me talk about Dragon Quest Seven first. Okay. Okay. As mm -hmm. it is one of the two games I am going to finish before Monster Hunter Rise comes out. Uh, this ambitious plan you've cooked up. Yes. So I have completed all the fragments. The map mm -hmm. is complete. And I have defeated mm -hmm. the Demon King in the past. Past may or may not have been remembered. And now it is time to resurrect God. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Yep. Have fun with that. <laughs> you running but, around dressed as Rido? Yes. Uh, but looking at a walkthrough, it looks like I am in the end game. So. Yeah, you are in the. Uh, yeah, you're 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 in the end game. So who? In, what? Who's your party? Appears to be Yusuke, Haru, and Anne. Yep. No, I'm talking about Dragon Quest Seven. Oh. Ah, that makes more sense. <laughs> Are there other party members I could have gotten? <laughs> there was like five no. people in that game. Yeah. <laughs> One of whom will never be seen again. <sighs> Sad face. Uh, always have that gravestone. So, you know, we got main character, dog guy, old guy, and dancer lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... T I I got I dumped old guy and uh, picked up uh, fish uh, fish daughter. Um, fish daughter? Yeah, the the Maribel. 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 Yes. As soon as the game allows me to let Re Maribel rejoin the party, that will be happening. Are you uh, playing the PlayStation version or 3DS? 3DS. 3DS. Okay, then yeah, that that can happen. Yeah, I don't know if that could happen in the PlayStation version because, as I said, the um, couple weeks ago, that boss in the Chasm one, the Cloud one that uh, I you got stuck on, was the one that made me actually that break to quit the game. <laughs> in the PlayStation. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, DQ7. How's that's going well for you? You're enjoying that? Yes. Yes, and as I said before, I am both will both be happy and very sad to leave the game behind, but I think I'm at the point where I want to say that I finally beat it. And then you're satiated with the time you've spent. Yeah, and there's two bonus dungeons I can always do afterwards when I want to come back to the game, but I will not be trying to finish those before Monster Hunter <laughs> comes out for sure. That seems a little excessive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, been also been playing a ridiculous amount of Persona 5 to the point that my playtime on that is at 70 hours, where it was... Um, I want to say it was at 30 hours two weeks ago, so... Uh, Especially given dad hours, that's terrifying. Yes, it is. Uh, the hour of three in the morning and I have become well acquainted. So you're finally equipped to be on this podcast. Yes. Uh, but I have... Uh, I forget where I was last week. I think I just started the space dungeon. Last week? No, I think you were still in the pyramid, weren't you? Uh, possibly. Jesus. <laughs> it's like, I think... 
I, I saw you get to the pyramid, and that yeah. was after our last recording. Or I saw you get to space, and that was after the last recording. Yeah. Uh, so we beat the space dungeon, and I'm now in the casino dungeon, which is at the end of that is where you get you meet up with the point where the whole game is flashing back to. So I'm very interested to see how that unfolds. They follow a really cool trick with that. So do they? Yeah, it's 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 really well done. Yeah, I, I think I beat it at 110 hours. Oh wow! Was that royal or vanilla? That was vanilla. Oh, heavens. Yeah, if you're playing Royal Tech, another 10 hours on there if you were doing the bonus content. Yeah. But uh, this game has already surpassed 4 as my favorite in the series. I don't even hmm. need I don't even need to get to the end to, to I promise the end won't disappoint. So. <laughs> yeah, I trust you. So yeah, I will I will admit I start skipping some of the um, social link text just because of, or speed throwing it because of just how much text is in this game. It's a very <laughs> long game. game. But if you sit there and read everything, you're you're going to tack on a lot of time. Yeah, I read everything like a fool twice. <laughs> twice. I'm ready to do it again when they if they ever release it on Switch, I will play the dang thing again and I will read everything again. Same. Honestly, I I want to see this port to to Steam or or at least some PC, only because I think this, especially with how much reading is needed, I think this would be really great on the pc you know to be able to more readily save it and stop and stop playing because of how much text there is yeah uh, but it is a great game yeah i've actually taken to playing it a bit on like remote play on my tablet especially <laughs> during like long stretches of social links and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's not like you have any sort of need for quick reflexes so right. that kind of fits the remote play yeah uh, oh, oh, that reminds me. I wanted to tell a funny story about that. So oh, no. I, I decided to try and hook, to hook up my controller to my tablet just to make things a little easier when I was going into a dungeon while doing remote play. And, you know, connected the controller to my tablet without issue except the official PlayStation remote play app does not support the PS5 controller. <laughs> Incredible. And when I hooked up a PS4 controller, it told me your tablet does not support the DualShock 4. Uh, but long You're rocking a hard place there. Yeah, long story short, I found an unofficial remote play app that works fine with the PS5 controller. And also seems to Yay. seems to connect um, more stably as well. So... In conclusion, don't use the official app. Yeah, no. Sony. Uh, I, I spent some time tonight just even trying to find a PS5. Uh, that's, oh, that's not a fun job. Yeah. And that is a full-time job. That is not $1,000. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, if you want, I'll... Uh, I mean, like, the, the obvious thing is to just, I guess, keep an eye out on, like the handful of people on Twitter that are basically bots that tweet out every time those go in stock. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I wish we had more tips, but Dave and I were just extremely lucky the first night the pre went up. We, we always got extremely lucky and then passed that luck on to me for reasons I'm still not sure on, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, I wasn't expecting to be even be able to check out, but I mean, that first night was just it was such a it was such a failure on such a grand scale that it caused enough confusion that we snuck in. Yeah, I feel like well, the scalpers were just not prepared that night. Well, well, here here's the other thing is I went to Walmart today. Uh, now I asked about it and they're like, oh, well, it's only a digital, it's digital sale only. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I could hear of because, <laughs> because by yeah. having a digital sale only, you're basically guaranteeing that only scalpers can get it because the bots. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's going to improve anytime soon, sadly. And again, I'm very, very glad that I do not have to live with this type of situation. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing that uh, you don't care because they're apparently even more impossible to get in Japan because they're uh, because most of the supply is getting sent to like North America and Europe. Mm. So, so. It's not a great situation if you wish to actually purchase this object. Yeah. Did she just drop the bomb? Yes, she did. Yeah, she <laughs> I've gets never the, in Royal she gets to uh, join in on uh she gets to join in on uh, all out attacks. I don't know what the exact odds are, but it's fairly common. I, I'm I'm going to have to play more of Royal then because I did I picked it up because um I when I saw it at uh, Walmart last year it was like twenty bucks so I I bought it because it I mean yeah it was fairly new and it was twenty dollars I was like yes <laughs> but yeah no I I appreciate the like the new piece of art they gave for her like everyone gets like some sort of character appropriate like statement being made in their like all out attack art and hers is just get good <laughs> yeah I, I i like that that piece of art was very well done i think i think they were surprised at how much she is i mean she has become almost like the, She's one of the more popular one of from. persona uh, five people yeah. love her but, uh, <laughs> i can't believe gamers like the gamer nerd character um <laughs> Well, for me, some of it is her story. Uh, is yeah, no, she has so... a really good story as well. Like that's that's me being unfairly reductive, but that is also part of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm. Yeah, no doubt. For for me, it was you know, yeah, she's a, she's a dorky nerdy girl, but at the same time, you know, she is very central to the story of what is going she's on. She's in tied into a lot, tied up a lot with the actual like narrative thrust of the game, which was not that's not really something that they do with a lot of characters especially in the more recent persona games so it stands out yeah long story short i love this game good good i'm looking forward to getting to play strikers as well so it looks like a lot yeah. of fun i'm gonna have more time to play that soon speaking of easy segues i just finished judgment nice Nice. Uh, I did every. I did all the side cases. I beat Shin Amon, so I would consider the game in the books at this stage for me. And that that is an interesting game. 
Uh, I quite liked it, obviously, because I spent 50 hours on it and did just about everything. But there are some... Th- oh my god, I forgot about this special attack. <laughs> All of these are ridiculous, every single one. Um, the showtimes, yes. Is that also a new feature? Yeah, the showtimes are all new to this one. Uh, most uh, a ton of combinations of characters get them, but and they're all like weird, unique. Uh, <laughs> that, that is, uh, but that yeah, was, that was great. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, what was I going to say? Something about it, but yeah, uh, it's. Judgment's weird, because it's like, it's... One of the things that I noticed, that I thought about while I was playing it, was that, uh... Mechanically, it has a lot... Mechanically, it has a lot more in common with the Dragon Engine Yakuza games, like 6 and Kiwami 2. Uh... Just by virtue of being, like, it's kind of, like, combat-wise, it's kind of like this weird mix of Yakuza 6 and Yakuza 0. But it does it feels much less like a Yakuza game than like a dragon, which is mechanically a gigantic departure. Um, so that, that was something that I felt was like a, a testament to the strength of the theming and style of these games, that even that like, like a dragon still feels like a sequel even though it's such a wild departure and this game that is mechanically much more similar feels like a spin-off despite having sharing so many mechanics with its parent series. Uh, I think my uh, my the, the biggest issues it has are just kind of the there are things that they're experimenting with since it's the first time they've done this particular sub series that they don't really have a full grasp on. Uh so, like, there's ideas in here that are interesting, but not well-developed. Uh, I would say the biggest uh, miss here is that there's there's a bunch of uh, things that are, done, that are in the game seemingly just to stoke the entire detective vibe. And... Those are those are fun when you get to do them, but a lot of them really only exist in extremely scripted portions of the game. So, like, you have a disguise sub-menu that you can go to, and, like, you occasionally have to get into disguises, but if you don't have to wear a disguise, there's no way to put them on. So, Yagami has all of these weird alternate costumes he has that you can't actually wear for most of the game, which is a shame, because I would have enjoyed completely ruining the gravitas of a scene by wandering around dressed like a vampire, but I couldn't, because that's only (laughs) used in one scene. But it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. It's it's an undercooked system because it's not really a system. It's just like uh, the event says you have to wear a disguise, and only one disguise will ever work if the event says you have to wear a disguise. <laughs> so it, it it feels weird that it's it's introduced like a system, and it has a menu devoted to it like a system, but there's nothing you can actually do with it. Um. There's also, like, there's lockpicking. There's multiple types of lockpicking, even. Uh, but those, unless you're doing the side missions that are incredibly low-paying locksmith work, uh, there's you, you will use that only for a handful of events. I feel like 
there were probably ambitions to use these systems more that just ended up getting cut from the game for one reason or another. I would enjoy seeing them fleshed out in a sequel. Uh, they took too long to make or something. Say what? They took too long to make or something. Uh, I don't know so much it's that, so much as, like, what they would have to be used on. Like, the the if you were to make a disguise system, like, a more central portion of the game, you would have to, like, make some really complex changes to the way the game actually flows, and I don't think that they really had time to do that. So it is kind of takes too long to make, but it's it's just complicated, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, um... There's there's a there's just a lot of things like that where it's just like this is a neat idea that's not really fully fleshed out. Another one's like, so they they went back to Yakuza Zero's thing where you have multiple fighting styles uh, that you can swap between, and that's cool. Uh, and the idea behind the two styles in the game is interesting. You've got like Crane style that is mostly kick based and is meant for taking out groups, and you have. Uh, tiger style, which is open palm strikes and mostly for taking out individuals. The problem is that there's a ton of ways to upgrade tiger style that are very specific and only affect tiger style. And there are ways to upgrade both styles that affect both styles. There are no upgrades that only affect crane style. <laughs> and that means that very quickly for anyone that gets the majority of the upgrades in the game, the the crane style just immediately gets outclassed by tiger style and it never really recovers. Uh, to the point where there were times I almost forgot that I actually had another style I could be switching to. And Ooh, that's not good. In the, in the bonus, uh, bonus boss fight at the end, Shinamon, he has a gimmick where like he'll do attacks that are essentially are near impossible to dodge that you, that don't hurt you if you're in the corresponding style. And I had to like think for a bit like, oh oh no, what is the what is the button that switches style? I haven't used it in five hours. So it's like one of those hmm, that's that's a bit of a misfire. Those I think the conceit of how to divide those two fighting styles is uh well thought out, but I don't think that they quite had it I don't think they quite made it work in this particular game. Uh, it's fine because Tiger Style is fun to use, but it would be nice if it was less of a. Uh, it would just be nice if there was if it was less of an instantly solved problem of like there's there's not a lot of situations where Crane Style is actually that useful. Uh, and the the last thing I've, I've noticed that I really wanted to. Uh, go for them to reconsider uh, one of the things that they did put in that's designed to like make it feel more like a detective sort of game is tailing missions where you're like following someone without being spotted and these aren't hard but there's so many of them that they become infuriating <laughs> hmm. because there's just so many like missions where you're sitting around waiting for an NPC to actually move to their destination. And if they get an inkling that you're there, you just have to like hide behind like a car or something. And that while they sit there for an extra 15, 20 seconds, checking to see who was following them. By the way, I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to be eating while we do this. 
it's fine. it's fine if you if you make any noise just uh, or if you're worried about making noise just uh mute your mic while you're chewing i guess <laughs> <laughs> i forgot that oh this is just something i forgot about in persona 5 i just want to bring it up i forgot that you can every character is like lounging around in the uh character swap rooms mid-dungeon in a different place that's sort of characteristic of their attitude towards the whole affair <laughs> uh but yeah uh, as, as for the rest of Judgment, uh, I think that it's got a really strong central narrative, like a really, uh, a really good, solid mystery, uh, plot that goes completely bonkers by the end, but in a way that's very different from how a Yakuza game typically goes bonkers. Uh, and I think that it actually has, like, a really strong ending, uh, the final chapter or two is really good. Uh, so, like, certainly uh, the main narrative is really good. Most of the side cases are really fun. Uh, it forced me to play Mahjong to 100% all the side cases, so that hurt me to my soul, because... Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I, I don't understand the rules of Mahjong. Uh, and... When you open, when you start up Mahjong, it gives you the option of reading the. Uh, you have a basic tutorial that opens up. If you open that up, it gives. Uh, I opened that up to try to give it a look to try to understand Mahjong properly, and what happened was you open that up and it just says. Uh, it, it gives you like you know a couple paragraphs of text, and then I look down and it says. One of 30. <laughs> this is like a 30, like 30 page explanation of Mahjong that is just full of like hard to remember uh, proper nouns about the names of hands and how you construct them and uh, how, and it's trying its best to make this simple uh, because you have the, uh, you it will automatically like sort your hands so that like suits are together, and it will like prompt you to uh, steal tiles when you have the capacity to do so, like anything to make it simpler to actually play mahjong. But the it's it's such a complicated game. I have so little understanding of it. So isn't it similar uh, to rummy or something? It's um. I mean, you're trying to construct combinations that are sim it's similar to Rummy, but it's while being completely different. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I have I, I can feel you on that because um, Final Fantasy IV or XIV put that in as part of the Golden Saucer. Of course. And, and I mean, it's a pretty good way of making um, the Gold Saucer points, but, like, no, like, none of us understand how Mahjong works, so, like... <laughs> People have specifically gone and made YouTube videos on how Mahjong works for people in Final Fantasy XIV to play it. <laughs> you gotta. But yeah, so, like, thankfully, the, the way that Yakuza typically does things that kind of mitigated this, and the only reason I was able to actually finish this, thankfully, to to you to unlock a lot, one of the last side cases, you have to make friends with uh, all 50 friends that exist in the game. Mm -hmm. And I I managed that, 
But thankfully, to make friends with the Mahjong friend, you only actually have to win one game of Mahjong. <laughs> <laughs> oh and my god. The, uh, the other thing is that uh, Yakuza games give you the option of finding things to essentially rig the gambling games. So, like, uh, you get... I, I went and just used my... I, I went and found the thing that just lets you automatically win a game of Mahjong if you use it. Uh, <laughs> it it instant like basically you have to use it before you start the game and what it does is it just instantly constructs a hand for you uh, called I, I believe the term for it is pure nine gates I looked up what the odds of actually getting a pure nine gates are and they're somewhere on the order of like one in a trillion oh but if you use the if you use this mahjong the special mahjong tile before you start the game, you're just guaranteed to get uh, a pure nine gates. Uh, so it, it's basically like making your own Yu-Gi-Oh card that just says "I win." Yeah, kind of. Uh, but yeah, like that was the only way I was going to be able to do it because uh, the other thing about it is that <laughs> uh, you have to win. While this extra rule that they add to that add to it called the Wadaime rule is in play, and that basically means that the game has to you have to win a dice roll at the beginning of the turn that says that you're the one it applies to. So it's like not only did I have to find this uh, thing that would let me instantly skip the mahjong, I had to actually uh, <laughs> I had to save scum. Uh, to make sure that I was the one that the Wadaime rule landed on <laughs> so that it would count enough to to win. It's one of those things, like, everything about the Mahjong thing is very funny to me because it's not supposed to be that difficult. It's not supposed to be a roadblock, but there's so little context for it, it among most Western players that they just, that a lot of people just sort of break. Oh, man, I forgot how good this showtime is. But yeah, I did everything. It's done. Oh man, that's some tag team action. But, uh. <laughs> Double elbow drop? Nice. Oh, wow! So they did some classic tag team moves to start with, but, uh. Like, they, they're, they're, they're getting into some, like, Legion of Doom antics there. <laughs> By the way, David, um, I, I am watching the uh, Twitch, so you, you don't have to worry about trying to catch uh, comments tonight. <laughs> Hooray! Yay. I'm free! <laughs> but, uh... Granted, I'm also not in, you know, having to worry about trying to type my comments, so... You're free, too! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, so yeah. Really enjoyed Judgment. I just needed to rant about Mahjong because it destroyed a part of my soul. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's... Uh, that's what I've been playing. That's done now, so I can pour my time probably mostly into Persona 5 Strikers. Uh, and I'll also probably be uh, dipping into a Kingdom Hearts 3 replay that I've been meaning to do now that I've finally picked up the DLC. Uh, oh, what was I gonna say about? 
that I did realize a very amusing serendipity about the concept of starting a Kingdom Hearts 3 replay right after playing Judgment because they uh, they both shared a voice actor when they came out and that voice actor doesn't exist anymore in uh, the current Japanese versions of either game. Oh. Hmm. Uh, they uh, So one of the most principal players in uh, Judgment is this uh, Yakuza character named uh, Hamura. And Hamura was originally played by uh, an actor who uh, goes by the name Pierre Taki. And he was shortly after Judgment came out, he got arrested on cocaine charges. Oh, I think Ooh, I boy. saw something about that. Ooh, yeah, boy. this was kind of a big thing. So, like, he was immediately erased from public life as much as humanly possible. And yeah, they take the drug charges really seriously in this country. Yeah, like, really, really seriously. And uh, so he got... Oh, God. I was going to say deaths, too, because I remember that happened in Kingdom Heart... one of the Kingdom Hearts 2 with uh, the Japanese character who played Phil. Huh. Oh, that's the second time that's happened for Kingdom Hearts, I guess, because uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, Pierre Taki was the dub voice actor for Olaf from Frozen. Oof. And so they had to they had to re-dub him, I think, and it was more of a problem for Judgment, because he wasn't just a voice actor for Hamada, who is a really important character. He was also the, like, face model for him. Oof. Ew. So for, for Judgment, they had to, like, design a new character and re-record all of his dialogue it was it was a lot and so they like they actually took the game off the shelves in japan for like two or three months and then re-released it without pr Taki in it uh, and that's that's the version that we got like his likeness is not in the north american version either uh but it's one of those things. It's like this is wild that this that they had that this happened. But it's also very funny to me to play back to back the two games that he was famously cut from. Yeah, but yeah, no, the yeah, Phil being the you know trainer for Hercules. Yeah, the satyr from Hercules. Yeah, so that so yeah, no, his his voice actor in the Japanese had died before they released it. So that's how come when he shows up in Kingdom Hearts 3, he just kind of nods at your character and walks off. Oh, they just didn't, like, I, I would imagine Disney has never had cause to officially recast him. And uh, so, like, in Japan it's just, like, question marks about what you do if you were to, for whatever reason, need to use that character, and their response was, well, just don't have him talk. Yeah, it's like, it, it's a very short scene where he just kind of comes in, nods at your character, or makes a gesture or something and then walks off the screen and that's all you see of him even though he's very important in the last two games but that's because again the japanese voice actor passed away even though danny devito is doing fine here in america that doesn't matter because script was written in japanese so exactly uh, it would have been nice to hear danny devito in a kingdom hearts game just once i love the weird list of people who've done voices for kingdom hearts at this stage James Woods. Uh, do I do I go down the procession of strange people that have voiced Xehanort at this stage? Yes. Let, uh, let's not so say we did. Start with I think in the first game he's Billy Zane. 
Uh, in Birth by Sleep, he's uh, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, I think he might still be Leonard Nimoy in Dream Drop Distance. In Kingdom Hearts 3, he's Rutger Hauer for some reason. Huh. Well, Leonard Nimoy was dead. Yeah, no, I just mean, like, the, the casting of Rutger Hauer was strange to me. Not why he was oh. replaced by Leonard Nimoy. Uh, not why he replaced Leonard Nimoy, but... And I think he might have new lines again in Remind, which means that he might have been recast again. Uh, let me double check that because but, but I'd Zaynort, be interested. Depending on which version of Xehanort, it kind of makes sense for him to have different voice actors because it's not really the same Xehanort. Yeah, it's not always the same guy. Uh, notably, Rutger Hauer and uh, Leonard Nimoy were, in fact, voicing the same Xehanort. But let's see if I can f dig out uh, who his voice actor might have been in Remind if he had one. So I just want to keep like they 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 have this like this procession of really impressively talented people having to uh, shout all of the most bizarre parts of Kingdom Hearts lore, and that's very funny to me. Okay, yeah, no, in Remind, he's Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> So okay. <laughs> that version of Zehanort, the main version of Zehanort, has been voiced in procession by Leonard Nimoy, Rutger Hauer, and Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Man, Christopher Lloyd is really getting up there in years, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. the part, part of the problem is that, like, that Zehanort's old, so they keep choosing these, like, really old actors. And, you know, that's the, the natural course of life happens and suddenly we're out of Xehanort time to pull out someone else but everyone they pull out is awesome well um it's kind of like um Final Fantasy 14 this this came up very recently um because in ARR Sid was played by a, a younger man you can and you can tell from the voice although Sid does not look like a young man he's he's like in his 40s or 50s but he looks more rugged and aged mm. and then Heavens were because they moved the voice studio from the U.S. to the U.K. They got a completely different voice actor who who really did well as the part. Mm -hmm. And then the very most recent patch, it starts with that voice actor. And then partway through the patch, not like, you know, next patch, the same patch, the voice actor changed to a much deeper tone. Oh. That's like, weird. I would have expected them to go back and re-record at least that patch. I th I think what happened was um because of I think whatever happened something happened to the voice actor like mid recordings and they didn't have time to change it. Yeah, I wonder if that'll end up getting like at least smoothed out over the course of future patches or not. Yeah. Well, in future patches, it won't be an issue because... Yeah, I, I just mean if they'll go back and try to, like, smooth out that particular set of voice acting. Yeah. Because it, it, what it seems like happened was they started one scene with the voice actor, then whatever happened to the voice actor, I don't know if it was um, virus-related or other or other things. I mean, but... Yeah, uh, there's, there's all sorts of things that might have happened. Yeah. I just hope he's okay because, uh, yeah. you know, we really liked him as a, as the voice actor. But I've heard some good, you know, I I do recognize the voice. It's someone who has done voice acting before. It's just of such a mismatch because of how long we've had the one who's done, yeah. you know, Heavensward, Stormblood, most of Shadowbringers, and then suddenly have this different voice actor. 
but they're still both better than the guy who did ARR. <laughs> <laughs> as far as fitting the character. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all my video game uh, rambling about what I've been playing. I'm like sort of staring down the barrel of pulling the trigger on Bravely Default 2, and that'll probably happen depending upon whenever I get uh, the, the next round of stimulus money, which is just like an excuse to like, well, might as well grab a game. <laughs> they said that it should start coming out this weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, depending upon if I get caught in that first round, sure, I'll grab it this weekend, but... Yeah, for now, uh, Persona 5 Strikers and uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 should be enough game for anyone's money at this stage, so I'm not too concerned. Uh, yeah, I guess we should move on to some questions. Uh, yes, I think we have a we've lot. Got, we've got a few on episode 201, so we should probably... Or, not 201, episode 200, so we should probably hit those before we move on to the... Uh, Discord, since those are easier to get lost. Um, these this, are this thing's kicking your butt. That keeps happening. Um, man, you are very lucky to have survived that. But uh, in any case, uh, uh, these these are all of the ones on episode two hundred come from a friend of the show, Budai. Uh, up to a certain death do you think up to a certain death is a logical point for Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2 to end no <laughs> that would uh, suck I don't even mean just that would suck like I think it would be interesting and probably reasonable that at least one part will end fairly uh, somberly and rather tragically Yeah. but the scope of such a part would be gigantic like just, just to do this comparatively, like I'm not talking in terms of game hours. Like Midgar yeah, is like five hours. Three continents. Yeah, like the the big issue there is just the scope of geography that that has to cover. So like, you end up with uh, calm in the calm flashback, which means that they also have to model Nibelheim, and a ton of assets for that. Then I mean, that's the entire Golden Saucer section. Yeah, well, before we even get to that, we do uh, the Chocobo Farm in Midgar Zolom. We do Fort Condor. We do Juna. We do Costa del Sol. Uh, we do the boat between those two things, which is its own set piece. Uh, it, it's just, like, it's a lot of game to... Like, if they're making it to anything like the spec of Remake Part 1, no, I don't think that they can get all the way there. I think that some of these parts will probably come out faster by virtue of the fact that they'll probably reuse a lot of assets in terms of, like, once you've built out to, say, uh, you know, Nibelheim or Rockettown or wherever, by that point, you'll be able to sort of, like, well, we modeled this area already, so we can... We don't have to completely rebuild the entire thing from scratch again and again. Uh, so, like, that... I just feel like that would be such a massive amount of resources. I think you're probably going to... Oh, and then there's also the fact almost assuredly Wutai has to be in the game as a main thing now, and almost assuredly that happens before 
the death. Presuming that the death even happens at all or in the same place, which neither is guaranteed at this stage. Mm -hmm. So everything is really up in the air. Yeah, like I, like we we heard most recently from Kitase uh, while talking about the ending to the first remake that the remakes can change things but that for the most part players should not expect them to change things a ton uh you know and that i i would that seems logical just by virtue of the fact that like just because things can change doesn't mean that they will but like that they're, they're definitely like there's no way that one of the first things that was decided when they decided to embark on doing multiple ff7 remake games was different places that some of them might end and also just in general what they were going if they were going to make changes what they were going to do about the change everyone is curious about so i'm very interested in what they end up doing there but i don't think that we'll see that next game i mean just look at what what all did change in the remake already i mean uh the honeybee inn they turned it into a dance contest Oh man, that bit owned. That was incredible. No, I, I watched it. My wife told me about it and had me watch the YouTube video the other day. I was like, that is awesome. Mm. Who knew I wanted uh, some rhythm game in my Final Fantasy VII remake? <laughs> that that sequence is like one of those things like everyone like that, that's one of those sequences that makes me excited for future game, future parts of that remake in part because like everyone responded to that remake when they when they knew it was going to at least cover Midgar because I mean of course like it had to like they admitted very early on that the first part would be Midgar uh, everyone was like well how did they handle that section because that section uh, is going to read differently in 20 you know in the 2010s slash 2020 when it actually came out than it did in 1997 so they were going to have to rewrite it extensively and they they brought it up in interviews like th that section is going to have to uh undergo some changes to make it what we want it to be and like what they did with it like wall market is one of the highlights of that game it's an incredible section that manages to sidestep a lot of the issues that might theoretically have come up around it so i'm very excited to see what other parts of the game will have changes to them i remember I can't remember if we discussed this on uh, this podcast or if it was something I was talking to other friends about, but one part that I feel almost certain is likely to have aspects of it rewritten is essentially like half of Sid's backstory. Because like the like the the core of his backstory is unlikely to change in the sense that he's like a bitter guy who's very upset about the fact that he didn't get to go to space that one time mm -hmm. but the part of his backstory where he then proceeds to respond to that by basically just abusing a female subordinate for the next several years uh, probably going away or at least being softened quite a bit because it's really dark <laughs> In a way that like makes the character unintentionally less sympathetic than they probably want him to come off. So I, I don't remember that part I, at all, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that like it was really easy to gloss over because like they didn't look like people and it was kind of badly translated, and it's you know it's like this that and it's like not a huge portion of the game, 
But if you see it in like realistic graphics with like really, you know, high quality voice acting, it's going to read differently than it mm. did, did where he's just like berating this poor woman for, uh, you know, multiple scenes like, oh, that's maybe I don't want that from a character. I want to be seen as sympathetic. Maybe that needs let's also make a note that, you know, the translation called it T, but he was an alcoholic. Let's let's be serious. He was basically an alcoholic. Yeah, there's a it, lot of stuff. It was there, tea though. the same way that the one scene in Tenshi Muyo had tea. So. <laughs> yeah, because that was the only way they could get it around the censors by not actually saying, yeah, it's really shochu. Yeah, I, I would suspect that they'll probably, like, they'll probably just leave that. That bit gets to stay in now, but the other part's probably going to see some rewrites just to make sure that Sid doesn't become completely unsympathetic over the course of that subplot playing out. Uh,. But yeah, uh, I'm excited. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Final Fantasy Machina abridged version. I have not. So, in that, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, apparently they have a very unique relationship in that in their uh, basement. <laughs> oh heavens! Well, that's the that's a way to take that, uh, and it's and it's the reverse of what usually a show <laughs> yeah i think i get where you're going i i am reading what you're putting down okay uh, it's very funny how they do how they did that i actually do enjoy watching the, those videos i've heard good things i just never have the time or at least i never take the time you know how it goes it, it, it's hard there's so much content out there just in general <laughs> yeah that's one of those things like i don't i don't like it's a, one, one of the worst uh, things that you can, it feels like you can say in this day and age, is like, you haven't seen blank, and it's like, there's so much I haven't seen. There's too much to see, so it's just <laughs> like, it just happens. But, let's see. But yeah, I, I assume that no one else is, it sounds like most, we're all kind of in agreement that I don't think anyone actually here thinks that 7 Remake Part 2 will actually make it to uh, to the no. uh, famous death. Now, my bet is that it's going to end on the um, at the start of the boat ride to Costa del Sol. I, I'm thinking I'm the think... end of the boat ride to Costa del Sol. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking the, I mean, the, like the boat ride itself is because there was a Genova boss battle on that. Yeah, there's there. a Genova. The in the original game that was the first appearance of Genova. That's uh, yeah. may or I'm, may not I... be the case. No spoilers, uh, but. But uh, it's, it's still a very good spot for them to cut out the second. Yeah, part. like it's it's a big it's a big deal section. A lot happens there, and it also reaches one of those fan favorite things that people want to see in really high fidelity, because right around that point is when we're gonna have to see like everyone in the party wearing a sailor suit, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really ready for really high fidelity Red Thirteen trying desperately to stand on two legs in a sailor suit. Yes, please. Um. So my take is it's it's either going to be at the end of the boat ride or it's going to be right after Niflheim. Hmm. That would be ambitious because that also involves incorporating like Dine and like Barrett's a lot a huge backstory dump for Barrett, which would be interesting. I wanna see I really wanna see that scene. And but... also the golden saucer. I yeah, and, I, I know saucer. it's I know it's ambitious, but the thing is if they stop it at the point of Junin we're looking at at least a five games. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. 
So, so if they yeah, want it, it, it also like you know nothing is ever going to be scoped to the same level as Midgar. So it's in, it will be interesting to see how they go about things now. It'll honestly it'll be interesting to see if they maintain the same geometry like geography that they always had in the original because like they they have every light they have all the license they need to just move things around the world if it makes them more convenient. But well. And another thing, though, is we also don't know how much they're going to add in. Look at how much story they added in to Final Fantasy VII Remake. That yeah, that yeah. helps explain, you know, this some of a... the th- events that are going on with Cloud, with his, you know, the whole Cloud and Sephiroth dynamic that we yeah wasn't really clear as to, you know, why Cloud is so obsessed with him. I mean, yeah, it, you, you know it by the end of the game, but early on, it's just like. What? Yeah, but, there's I mean, there's a lot of stuff that the the remake is adding as like interest or clarification that may also mess with how much is reasonably capable of being added. I do think uh, reaching Nibelheim would be kind of interesting, although, uh, like I just remembered, that would also mean having to do the Cosmo Canyon section as well, yeah. which would be. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm, the Dunan place I think is definitely the the more practical point, but I <laughs> I think uh, Niflheim would also not be a bad point either. And if that's the case, that would probably be the third game. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Niflheim has got to be a stopping point at some point. I mean, that's that's gonna be the first time you actually have the entire cast together. Yeah, I'm curious potentially because that's where you can get Vincent. Yeah, no, there's no way that Vincent won't Vincent. be required in this one. Yeah, yeah no, the, especially with them going back and uh, redoing Dirge of Cerberus a little bit, or throwing throwing a bit of uh, Dirge of Cerberus fan service for Intergrade. <laughs> but why? Uh, but I mean, yeah. we already know Yuffie's going to be the, in it because of the fact of the DLC coming. Yeah, and I mean, like it's it's one of those things. Like they're not gonna not put some of those characters. Like the. All, those hidden characters were hidden, but everyone's still, like, they're still very popular in the same way that most of FF7's cast is very popular. So, it was one of those situations where, like, yeah, inevitably, they're gonna do, uh, like, Vincent. I do wonder <laughs> how, uh, if and how the side quest to actually get Vincent will get integrated into things, because it's wild and doesn't really have anything to do with anything. It'll probably get phased out into something different. Yeah, but I do want to see the weird lost anyway, number I, boss in in like this high fidelity 3D. Anyway, I think I hear the world's cutest co-host in the other room, so I'll be back in a moment. I gotcha. Yeah, like that entire lost number boss fight was always very strange, and I don't know what it would look like in the FF7 remake engine. But boy, howdy, I want to see it. Which one's lost number again? It was the thing where to get to get the key to Vincent's room, you had to like open the safe inside of the okay. Shinra mansion, and inside it was this like giant, like bifurcated like purple and red monster thing. Oh yeah, like... where depending on how you fought it, the latter half of the fight is either weak only to magic or weak only against physical attacks. That that's right. Yeah. And it's it's like it's a really weird fight that could be interesting in the seven remake engine, but I like I'm very curious what it would even look like. So hey, I kind you know of want what? it to they, still they be put, in there. 
they put one of the unknowns into Final Fantasy fourteen. Huh. Uh, uh, yep. oh, oh, <laughs> Suddenly having a rough day. So we got a sleepy little girl over here. <laughs> so to, to prevent me from talking about FF7 at length for another hour, uh, we'll move on to another question. Uh, this, is a, this is a mean one. I don't quite know how to respond to this one, but Budai asks, what is the second best RPG of all time? <laughs> all of them. The answer is all of them. What? I like the I like the hutzpah of the question, but I don't know that I have an answer. I just have a lot of wrong answers. So my my take you can think of fondly that's going to be the second best ever. Yeah, I mean it. It all depends on the individual person. I mean that is such a weighted question. I I I, I was um, watching Scar's stream last night um, when he was doing his uh, wheel of uh, RPGs, and you know he won the top five, you know, a list of the top five, because um, one of the games was Lufia 2, which is an amazing game for the SNES. Um, and it's like, you know, I can easily get top three being, you know, Final Fantasy 6, Chrono Trigger, and Lufia 2 as within the top three, but like, figuring out that fifth spot, uh, FF4 being you know, in the top five as well, but that fifth spot, because there's just so, there were so many, and a lot of them I really liked, it's hard. So, you know, picking a number, like, I will never rate where any of them fall because I like a lot. And, like, the minute differences for me could be completely different for someone else. And, you know, that's the, and that's one thing I really like about games in general is no matter who you talk to, there's something out there for everybody. And there are no wrong answers because we each look at games differently. Hmm. I, like, I, I find that I often, like, I only, I, I don't do, like, general cooperatives with, like, games, or most most anything, but in, in general, it's like, if you put two games next to each other, I'll usually be able to say which one I like better, but if you tell me, list the best ones, like, oh, man, I'm going to be here for an hour, and I'm still yeah. not going to be happy with the answer. Yeah. I mean, the only people who can seriously answer a question like, what is the best RPG or the second best RPG are people who have only played, like, five. At most. Uh, yeah, I do, I do like the spirit of the... Wow, that turned out bad. Uh, no, that That's that's the same thing that was kicking his butt like 20 minutes ago. Ah, uh, of course. But mm -hmm. uh, other than that... Um, but yeah. Uh, like, I, I do like the spirit of the question of like the... Uh, I'm interpreting it as like one of your. Uh, uh, I'll reinterpret this question since in a way that we might be able to actually answer it. Uh, your favorite B tier RPG, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of my favorites of those are kind of a matter of record. So it's, for me, it's probably just. Uh... Oh, I love this. Uh, for me, my favorite B tier RPG, uh, always and forever, the Grandia games. So. It's a good answer. That's a good. That, I I can I can agree with that. I, I Grandia One is I, I absolutely love. Grandia oh. Two has its issues. I played it the PS2 version, but it's Oof. still very fun. Um, let's not discuss Extreme though. 
Extreme is a game that would be great to throw on and not think about whether it's related to the Grandia games at all. Just throw it in there and just play the battle system until you're tired. <laughs> well, I, pl I play everything time tired because I fall asleep gaming all the time. So. Wise, wise. But, uh... Oh, it's already... Wait. Yeah. Uh, anyone else got some favorite B tier RPGs? Favorite B tier RPGs. Uh, We're all noted Legend fans of, of Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter here, except for we don't know about Tan's okay. opinions here. But I would call that also a quality B tier RPG. <laughs> Which one? Uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. Breath of Fire in general, it's like. A B tier RPG franchise, but like Dragon Quarter, like, like so. Call it more a C tier, but that. No, I, I call it, it an F tier because it fails. -tier. <laughs> Dragon Quarter fails. Oh, oh. No. I'm sorry, you're banned. No. Um, How do you eject <laughs> someone from the call? I'll just show uh, myself out. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll let you. We'll let you live, but <laughs> you're I mean, off the ice. I love one and two. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, Almost beat three, but I yeah. got to the ending, um, just couldn't do it. Four, the switching perspectives is not a thing I like in, in games or in books. And then... The oh, yeah, that's like four's entire gimmick. I know it's the whole entire gimmick, and I got, like, I think to the final dungeon in that game. I mean, I I put in the time. Yeah. Oh, I um, but I just couldn't... I couldn't do it. Um, and then Dragon Quarter, once I found out sort of the limit of using the dragon power, because you basically could kill yourself. It's, it's a gauge that you really don't want going up. <laughs> yeah, and just like even just walking around causes it to go up. I, I Yeah, just... but um, if you're just doing it by walking around, it literally takes five times longer than the entire game to actually get the gauge to 100% just by walking. Yeah, the walking around thing is mostly just like to scare you, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's uh, fine. I just I was yeah. done. I was like, nope, I'm done. Yeah, no, psychologically, um, that does things to people. So. But I mean, we're we're also talking about a game that gives you bonuses for restarting with a specific <laughs> ranking, and actually calls it the SOL system. I love being shit out of luck. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I I there were other games that were coming out at the same time. And I will admit, I went and played those instead. I think I played Drakengard instead. And, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I will God. admit, I put a lot of time into that messed up, crazy batshit of a game. I, I played a fair bit of uh, Drakengard, and that's why I'm like kind of incapable of like looking at the work of... Yoko Taro without being like involuntarily angry. It's like why I <laughs> still need to get around to Nier Automata and haven't actually played it. It takes a certain level of crazy to play his games. Yeah, but like Drak like the other ones, there's like at least they they lack Drakengard's base level contempt for the player. Because <laughs> like the the you know like something like Nier or Nier Automata, it's like they have. Strong. They have things to say, and they're weird. But Drakengard kind of hates you for playing it. Yeah. In a way that the other ones don't, where it's like... Automotive. I will admit, I got four of the five endings. Wow. <laughs> really? You went all in on that, then? 
Oh yeah, no, I absolutely loved loved it um, at the time, um, and I, I will admit, I, I one of the endings really grossed me out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about what it's supposed to do. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm glad that so- I'm glad that game was for someone. I've never met someone who really liked the original Dragon Guard, so that's interesting to me. But uh, I have not played much of Dragon Guard two or three, but some of that just because of so many games to play. Yeah. Well, also to be fair, Dragon Guard two is by a, was a very different game that was much more straightforwardly meant to be a game that the person who played it might enjoy, which is kind of not what people were going to Yoko Taro games for. Uh, uh, card. Um, but yeah, um, Sorry, I lost I lost track of what we were discussing before I got on track. Yeah, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I've been a bit off track over here, just feeding bread to baby. So. That's fair. That's fair. I, I hope she, hope we're not making too much noise on the line. Oh, she's fine. Let's uh, let's move on then. I have uh, a question. From yeah, yeah. The, the DM'd from Eternal Youth seventy four. Yeah, yeah. Let me just grab it. Hold on. Yeah, we can do that, and then we'll hit. The rest of Budai's questions as well. Actually, I have to find it when you just jump to the next. Uh, I'll, I'll hit first. one that's fairly quick. Uh, this is not the last of them, but like I'm reading these out of order because this one is fairly quick. Uh, some people were up in arms over the idea of Denuvo being available on PlayStation 5. What would you say to them? You are thinking of the wrong Denuvo. Denuvo uh, is a suite of software, one of which is a... Uh, DRM uh, software that most people associate the term Denuvo with, but it's also an anti-cheating software. Uh, which means the Denuvo that people hate is the thing that like uh, takes up like hard disk cycles because it's constantly like running all sorts of weird integrity checks. Uh, like that is not what's on PS5 because that doesn't that's not really necessary on. Home consoles, to the same extent, it's seen as necessary on PC by publishers. What's available on consoles is the thing that's, like, checking to make sure that you're not, like, cheating at an online game. And apparently it's already in a few release games. People just didn't notice it at first. So, like, I don't think it's anything that anyone needs to be worried about. Uh, Denuvo's DRM anti-tampering software is unlikely to find its way to consoles anytime soon for a multitude of reasons. So yeah, uh, mountain out of a molehill. Okay. Mount De Nouveau. Okay. But yeah. That's uh, how people are treating it. Huh? I said that's how people are treating it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it, it turned out not not really much of anything to it. Uh, you find the question wheel? Yes, there's two of them actually. Okay. Uh, the first one is playing Bravely Default 2 has made me nostalgic for the old school JRPGs with overworlds. Some of my favorites were PS2, Dragon Quest VIII, uh, when you get the bird. I still love the first Wild Arms overworld theme with its whistling. Too many others to list for me. What were your guys' favorites? 
Favorite overworld. So, like Dragon Quest tends to have a lot of these for me, yeah. like eight and eleven especially as well. But mine would have to be six. I still love the two different world themes for six. Dragon Quest one. six or FF six? FF six, sorry. F- <laughs> Final Fantasy six. six. We're talking about the music? Or uh, the, the just the overworld in general. But the music is like something that was brought up, so it's fair yeah. game to bring up. Um I, I I gotta agree with Final Fantasy VI. That's that's definitely one of my favorites, especially especially since not only did you have the same world with two different maps you were traversing, but it also had different music, and I thought that was a really good thing. My other one is Wild Arms Two. That was a good um, one. Yeah, I I really liked the fact that you had to sort of find your dungeons and be aware of conversations to you know be like oh you need to go here and there were hidden items on the map and whatnot because that was one of the first yeah. games that I really remember that being in where items could be hidden on the map. Yeah, yeah that was good. That became kind of a staple of the Wild Arms series. It doesn't work as well in some of them, especially like Alter Code F, which is like a remixed version of the Wild Arms 1 map, but it's using the Wild Arms 2 system, and it's not really designed for that. But uh, I thought it was using the Wild Arms 3 system. It, uh, yeah, but that's that's similar to the Wild Arms 2 system. It's just represented differently. But, yeah, it is built on the Wild Arms 3 engine. Uh, I'll say something about it. Uh, unsurprisingly, FF7 is one of my favorites. I especially enjoy the profoundly melancholy overworld theme. Mm. That's uh, a good one. So, I think I'll just see what I can think of this more recent, like the Alliance Live, where it had a pretty good overworld that had platforming elements. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. I need to pick up Alliance Live HD. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go put I that on my Switch wish list right now so that I can at least have an idea of when it goes on sale. Oh, I, I got it off of Steam. It's one of those things like uh, it's it's something I'll only have time, play, which I don't play a ton of games. It just ends up being like, yeah, this is what makes sense for me. <laughs> I, for me, PC makes sense because, again, kids yeah. hog the TV. I'm going to go watch it. Let's see. Let's that did get a physical release in the U.S., right? Yes. Yes. I, yes, yeah, I thank, have thank two, God. two copies of that, actually. Because I'm a madman. Of course you do. Why do you have two copies? The PS4 and Switch. That's the, not a why, but sure. I have the 3DS <laughs> version of the original. I have that, too. Same. <laughs> so he that. bought three versions. Technically, yes. Yeah. Technically okay. correct. The best kind of correct. Well, it, it, thanks. It's okay. I have like Dragon Quest Builders two on two systems. I have Dragon Quest Builders on like two or three systems. I get you. <laughs> My wife and I own three copies of Dragon Age two. <laughs> oh, the, did this? Like, why am I not finding new copies of this anywhere that are not horrendously marked up? Uh-oh. Did that have that limited of print run? It's possible. Let's uh, see. Gonna be real depressed, aren't they? Anything else? Some, okay, I'm also a big fan of. Are we still going on overworlds? Yeah. Uh, the, most of the Metal Mech series has a very good overworld. So. Mm-hmm. I 
gotta be. I, it's nice and huge. <laughs> yeah, I will say the uh, only one of that I've played is still uh, Metal Saga. <laughs> it's still better than the alternative. In you English. could have played Zeno. That would have been depressing. Uh, yeah. At least, at least Metal Saga had some semblance of everything else and some interesting bosses. Yes. Why am I having oh, well. an easier time finding the 3DS version? I also <laughs> can find the PS4 version for cheap. Yeah, that's not the version I'm looking for. Yeah. For some reason, they seem to have short printed the Switch version. Mm. That's, that's a shame. weird and annoying. Mm. Huh. I'll have to work on resolving this later. Um, uh, I will. Uh, throw out an option to very me and say that I really like the overworld to the set of overworlds for Star Ocean, the second story. Uh, two different overworlds, both of which are pretty cool. Uh, has a pretty rockin' overworld theme that just uh, starts going nuts immediately when you start playing it, which gets you uh, kind of pumped every time you go out into the overworld, so that's fun. And there's just a lot of stuff in it, and there's a lot of places to explore. Like, there's a lot of stuff you don't... Because of the way Star Ocean 2 is structured and, like, it's weird idiosyncrasies, there's a lot of places you don't actually have to go to in there, which, that's always fun. That makes it more memorable. It's just like, huh, what's this dungeon? Well, if I had picked up a different character, I might actually know what it was here for, but I didn't, so <laughs> it's just confusing. <laughs> Yeah, that's just a, a favorite of mine. I'm trying to think of any other good ones. Um, well, Saga Scarlet Grace is all overworld. Yeah, nothing but. musical themes. Like, there's a lot of just, like, character on that overworld because it's so much of the game. Yeah. Come on, man. I'm listening to the Star Ocean 2 overworld theme. It's called Field of Expo, and it's very good. Nice. Just gonna dump this in the Skype chat where no one can escape it. Alright, while you're doing that, I'm gonna jump us to the next question. Fair. How do you feel about RPGs that have new content or super bosses locked to new game plus modes? For shorter RPGs that I will play more often, it can be motivation. For 80 plus hour games, it's very frustrating as a completionist. I wish. Uh, I always preferred it done like Dragon Quest XI. Even if the game felt endless because of its content, I rolled credits with a sense of completion. I would respond that uh, unless your game's really, really good, you're guaranteeing I'm never going to bother with them. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, if, it's or... a, if it's a long RPG and you've locked content behind New Game Plus, it's like, well, I guess I don't play that. <laughs> What about uh, what about you guys? Uh, I mean, for for me to even consider New Game Plus, it's got to be it's generally got to be a shorter RPG. <laughs> I would think. Can't general. believe you won't be doing New Game Plus in Persona Five Royal. I mean, I probably will be, but <laughs> for for me, New Game Plus is not an incentive for me to go back right now. 
but I do tend to replay games. So like in a year or two, I may start it up as the new game plus and use do that content then. Mm. That's fair. I like I most often like at that point I like if I'm going to replay something a few years later, I usually just end up re-rolling from the start to begin with because it's just like, well, I mean, like part of the thing I enjoyed was the flow of the game's like uh, general like what you get for finishing it. So, not, not what you get for finishing it. Sorry, brain destroyed. Uh, I, I generally like the flow of the difficulty, even if the game's not difficult, just like the flow of upgrades. And so, like, you kind of lose that in New Game Plus, which is why I don't typically uh, use New Game Plus unless there's, like, a really strong reason to. Uh, like, again... Persona generally allows you to sort of modulate that since, like, at least 4 and 5, the new game plus, like, you keep your compendium, but you don't ha keep your levels, and you keep your social stats, uh, so you can, like, experience more of the game on a second playthrough without completely robbing the game of its intended flow. Uh, yeah, and another type that I do like is a lot of the Dark Souls games where... Like, it just gets harder. Yeah, it gets harder, which can lead to some uh, new and interesting ways to play the game. Uh, or just staring at lots of tables and charts. Or mm. both. Why not both? You get to, like, new game plus four or five, at which point it's just kind of miserable. Yeah. But... Speaking of which, at some point I'm definitely going to have to go back and actually beat Saga 2, the final boss, and yeah, actually go yeah, to the next not to hear about game. That. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying. I mean, I'm just moving on to other stuff. I'm going to go back and figure out a different load up for some of the guys. Probably have my healer robot given something that won't break immediately. Um, went for attacking. Probably Excalibur. So. So. But yeah. Uh, and. Yeah. I'll let you know how it works and I actually figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in general, yeah, the, yeah, the sort of like locking content behind New Game Plus is the sort of thing that usually just stopped me from playing it to begin with. So, uh, and unless, again, it's a game that I'm obsessed with, but that's, that's usually the other thing about it is that usually the only kind of game where I would maybe consider doing it is the kind of game where it's like, oh, I love it enough that I would even consider doing New Game Plus in the first place. Mm -hmm. Is uh, not always the case. So it's like, you know, the the kind of game where I actually want to confront bonus bosses is, does overlap with the kind of game where I do New Game Plus. Whereas a lot of games, it's like, I don't even bother with the bonus bosses in the first place because they're bad. Uh, as, as I said, you know, for me, it's if I'm going back to a game, I don't... Like, you know, a couple of years down the line, I don't have a problem doing the new game plus at that point because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm starting the game over, basically. But mm. you get that you get that nice little uh, you can you can make it move a little faster for the replay. So, yeah. Yeah. The only the only time I did not do that was with um, my like fifth run of Tales of Vesparia, where I didn't have a new game plus. So I beat it and then beat it a second time. <laughs> Dang. 
I've been with Tales of Vesparia on the Xbox 360 a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of game. I'm impressed. <laughs> I really like Tales of Vesparia. Yeah. Apologies for routine, routinely using it as a whipping boy. One day I'll play through it more properly. I usually just get sort of bored about 20 hours in. Someday. I really, I really like its opening animation. <laughs> it's very pretty. Uh, uh, the, the the trick with... I mean, unfortunately, Tales of Vesparia is a slow it, it starts off very slow and it's it, got those tails pacing issues <laughs> it, it does uh, yeah I'll, I'll i've got it sitting around i'll get i will properly try it again someday i promise <laughs> it's got very good voice acting too i must say i i wish that the definitive edition had not decided to like arbitrarily like not arbitrarily but like create a situation where they dubbed all of the new lines but did not dub old lines when their voice actors were shared but were not shared uh, producing a very strange Frankenstein in, yeah. strange, in certain places oh, at least it's not Tales of Legendia where they forgot to dub half <laughs> oh, of it because they didn't even think it was like, the... at least it's not Tales of Legendia because it's not awful from beginning to end well, no, I was, but remember, but, yeah, Legendia. like they also just didn't dub the second half of the game because they didn't know that the second half of the game was the second half of the game. Yeah, and it's like, oh, credits, we're done. It's like, wait a minute, we have this whole other half of the game that needs it's translating. Fine. To be fair, oh, credits, we're done is how I reacted to that video game. I have still never played the character quest second half. It's just like, you roll credits. You don't get to pretend that I'm that I'm obligated to keep playing. Yeah, on, honestly, you, if you go through the character stories, it actually explains the world in a much different light. It really does. Yeah, I've looked up what actually happened. Okay. I, I did not enjoy playing. So I didn't want to play it more. No, I, I, dude, again, I've, I think I've commented. I actually beat it yeah. once. I went back to play it again because I got, I didn't do the character quests because I didn't think they were important. Then I found out they were. So I went back to replay this. I was like, okay, I've beaten this once. I did not enjoy the game. I used cheat codes, you know, max stats, Ooh. max level, everything. Yeah. It took me 110, like 110, 120 hours to oh, do that with max stats. Lord. I no, never again will I touch <laughs> Tales of Blendendia. Never, ever again. That's terrifying. Oh nope, not ready for it. Okay, uh, that's like, I'm just memory holing everything I can about that game. Because yeah, like, Persona Five, 110 hours, I will play that again. It is a good game. Tales of Blendendia. Yeah, like, no. absolutely ready to play that again. It's like rereading a good book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh. I just don't have I don't have access to my TV. That's my one big issue. Switch yeah. version, give us Switch, Switch version, version, PC version. Like just PC. put it on everything. Just put it on everything. It should be on everything. But give us a yeah. Vita version. That would be weird. <laughs> oh, man. oh, it'll be just like Golden. It'll live on. The, it'll be the last Vita game, and it'll live on there for five years. Oh, that, that, oh, that reminds me. I need to re buy myself a new Vita. Uh, do uh, yeah, you? you probably want to do that. Well, you probably want to do that if you if you care about keeping a Vita. You probably want to do that before yeah. they become a pain to get hold of. Yeah, I, I have a. Funny yeah, no, I broke this. I dropped mine on the tile floor at work and broke the screen. Oh, oh that's not good. 
I, I mentioned that, and I was, I was, I, I even commented on the RPG cast that week that I'm, I am the Mighty Tam, the destroyer of Vetus. <laughs> it's just a, it's just the first one you've destroyed, or is this a thing that you've done before? Uh, no, it's the first Vita I've destroyed. I have destroyed a 3D XL by dropping my phone on it. That's weird. <laughs> by dropping your um, phone on it. So my cell phone. So I do not have the iPhone. I do not have like a Samsung phone. No, oh, I have you a have phone like that a you can drive over phone, with a car you? and it'll survive. Oh, yeah, you've got okay. a brick cell phone. So it's one of those situations where like, oh, if if that thing comes in contact with something else, the other thing dies. Yeah, and and the reason I do that is because of like what happened with the Vita. I am a klutz with hardware. Yeah, that's understandable. It's just like, this is a really expensive object that I'm going to be handling a lot. Inevitably, it will die. I do not wish to sacrifice it. <laughs> yeah, I've dropped, I've dropped the switch like four times, and only when I start up the backlight, you can see a few blue smudges in the background, but the screen is still working fine. I'm impressed. That's uh, not... I, I, would, I have not thankfully put the switch through its paces in that sense, but it's good that it's at least robust, more robust than I would have originally assumed. Uh, guess we'll see how uh, whether that upgraded switch happens and whether that's still robust. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, I was gonna say on the Vita. Uh, so I was, I hacked a Vita with yeah, the intention of Vita. streaming some games from it because that's the thing you can do if you hack it, and could not find anything that I actually wanted to stream. <laughs> This is one of those things where it's like I'm trying to work out in your head what the thought process was because you're like, oh, I'll be able to stream games off of it. But you didn't before that hand think of anything you actually wanted to. Uh, well, it, it's also for fan translations. That, that makes more sense. Yes. But it was like, oh, I can do this. So finally, you can stream Soul Sacrifice Delta. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, I can stream Persona 4. Go oh, I have that on Steam. Yeah, that, that oh, suddenly can, became... I can stream all these PSP games. Oh, I can just... I have an HDMI cable from PSP. <laughs> HDMI to PSP cable? I've never seen one of those. Yeah, it's a uh, Hori re released one. Oh, Hori would be good at that. So, yeah. Okay, that's trustworthy. Because there was, like, official... There were video out cables, but yes. I think they were, like, composite. composite. They were analog in some fashion. Composite or RGB... But yeah, Hori yeah. released HDMI ones that worked really well. I've used them a few times for streams. Yeah, and I think that that is like some horrible proprietary connector like half of any Sony handheld. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was going to ask, Tam, which which model of Vita did you sacrifice to the gods? Um, let me pick it up off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> The, easy, the easiest way to tell is I think that the second model has a non-proprietary, like, power connector, whereas the yeah. first one is this horrible proprietary power connector that nothing else uses. Yeah, the, two, um, the 2000 is just a... Uh, I forget what that game micro was USB, called. USB, I think. USB something. Yeah, no, I have the proprietary one. Okay, okay so you lost one the OLED screen one, yeah. so it's even sadder. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't the front screen that broke, but it was the back screen that broke. Oh! Slowly filled with liquid. Oh! Oh boy! Ooh, that's not good. That's a, that's like a 
That's a horrible thing to imagine. Just imagine what that looked like. Uh, it, it just slowly filled. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I was, I was, I was super sad. Not as bad like as the time my the kids poured thing milk die in on front me. Of your face. Yeah, no, it's not as bad as when the kids destroyed a Wii U controller by pouring milk on it. Oh heavens! Oh, no. Good luck. Did you? Eat, were you able to source a replacement, or did you just give up? No, I bought a brand new Wii U at the time. It was still oh. when it was like still available. It was still possible to buy them. Yeah. Oh heavens, that's that's a rough one. But now it doesn't matter because almost everything on the Wii U is available. On yeah, the... like like oh, how will I play Game and Wario? Yeah, the the only one left is Xenoblade Chronicles X, which I I, I was actually really enjoying. I feel certain that has to hit, hit Switch eventually. When they Please. did one and two already exists, like you gotta do X. You can't just leave that stranded. I really need it after the disaster of my saved game. I really reluctant. What happened here? Remember when I accidentally deleted my Xenoblade Chronicles X save? Oh heavens! Oh, yeah. how many hours were you into that? Forty or so. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough, buddy. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, that really just needs to not be stranded forever. And, like, I can't imagine that it won't eventually happen. It just feels like a matter of time. It's, like, the one of the few big things left. Like, I feel like it kind of is the only thing left that people would actually feel sad that it never, if it never yeah. got released. Because it would, like, the rest is, like, Star Fox Zero... Game and Wario, as I already mentioned, that's one of my like. That game to me is like the perfect punchline of like, what what are you what what Wii U game are you playing? Game and Wario. Mm -hmm. That what what do you even do in that? Not much. <laughs> there's there's not actually a lot of game in there. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess we'll hit this last Budai question. Uh, uh, which is a more this 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 question's catnip for me. Which is a more interesting system, the original Xbox or the Nintendo sixty four? Uh, oh. I hmm. think the Nintendo sixty four's sheer imbalance of games by genre makes it a much more idiosyncratic system. But the Xbox probably has more that people haven't actually played the, the original xbox has a lot of weird games you've probably never even heard of or thought of i can't believe that the world was allowed to forget about new legends i i figured he was just talking talking about hardware because i mean hardware wise 64 is also much weirder wrath unleashed is that a game yes <laughs> wrath it unleashed like... oh yeah wrath unleashed that's a real game yeah. I, I own an Xbox. As do I. I actually had one of the ones that doesn't have horrible busted capacitors. It's sitting in a garage down in Oregon. Um, I got rid of mine. But yeah, the the original Xbox is full of like weird things. It's like, what is this doing here? What is? Who made this and why? Yeah. Uh, so's the, well, so is the 360. Look at Operation Darkness. Operation Darkness Ooh. is a very much what is this doing here and yeah. why game. I know, I'm... I can't really say much about this because, hey, I don't even know where I could have gotten an Xbox in this country. They 
like the thing, the tragic story I always hear about the original Xbox in Japan is did not actually sell through its initial shipment. If you bought an Xbox in Japan, you were buying a launch day unit regardless of when you bought it. Yeah. I'm just remembering, um, was it for 360 where the, they published a Tales game on it? Exclusive. Yeah, 360. Sold out the entire fair, yeah. nation's copy, um, supply of Xbox 360s. Yeah, yeah like Tales ev- of Vesparia. Yeah, yeah, like every time they would publish a big name JRPG, like Xbox 360s would suddenly sell through whatever allotment they had at the time and then get restocked and proceed to not sell again. Well, that was that was the idea. That was how they were trying to make inroads to the Japanese market was by doing Yeah, it just... It, it never became self-sustaining. It was always people would buy them when the new JRPG came out and then never again. I mean, that the whole reason I bought a 360 was because there were enough games that I was interested in. Um, yeah. To... Like it was a good it was a good theory. They just they never seemed to get enough sustained interest to keep it going and so it just kind of fizzled after a while. Well, yeah. that's how come I didn't buy an Xbox 1 because I have a rule of 3 which is um, any system I need to have at least three games on the platform to justify buying the platform. Yeah, that's a reasonable strategy. I'm much dumber than that, so yeah, worse things tend to happen. <laughs> well, I I will admit, I own an op- uh, a copy of Operation Darkness because I was excited. That was one of your rule of three. <laughs> it, well, it was a rule of three at the time because I didn't know how bad it was, and then I got three maps in and went... When I walked over... Yeah, you found out that, like, oh, this game sounds incredible because it's idea of being World War II werewolf fighter. And then you actually play it, and it's like, this is garbage. Is that an idea factory joint? No. Uh, No. No. I can't remember who else was involved. Atlas. I just just remember when we actually published our review of it, somebody came over from GameFAQs to just argue about it for days on end. Oh, God. Incredible. And this guy was a self-styled major strategy gamer who was of the opinion that, like, Fire Emblem, Thrakeus, 7-7, whatever it was, was seven, seven, six. what 776 was the pinnacle of game design. And everyone else is like, no, it was a nearly unbeatable piece of um, comp- um, competition crap. Um, that but, Oh, that maybe that was the audience that game was suited to. Uh, also, Atlas published it. Apparently, Wikipedia claims it was developed by success, which is incredibly funny to me. <laughs> That's still the most ironic name in video game development history. Success. Yeah. Success t- still technically exists. They still do things, but... I think the last thing they did was actually not bad, but... Did they make in first-person dungeon crawlers? Uh, I think of somebody else. I don't know. I mean, success was. I think success had the uh, Metal Saga IP at one point. Yeah, they had Metal. Like success was the Metal Saga developer. Rather Actually, than technically, Metal they Max. still have Metal Saga because they had a, a smartphone game in competition with the Metal Max one. Incredible. Uh, some versions of like. RPG maker for consoles. Like, success is a very strange studio. But, yeah, so going back, I mean, there were there were enough games for me to warrant buying the Xbox 360 between, like, Vesparia and, and and I got Operation Darkness. But, yeah, three maps into Operation Darkness. And, th- and this is the point where I realized this was going to be a very bad game. <laughs> it, ha- it had permadeath. And, oh, no. And so... 
one of my characters, it was a snowfield map, walked over a landmine that there was no way to know there was a landmine. Lovely. Yeah. I was like, going for cover behind this. Like, oh, landmine, your character died. I'm like, what? I turned off the game right then and there. Good luck, my uh, what were you going to say, Gajan? I, I need to bow out because uh, World's Cutest co-host is not staying where she needs to be staying. Okay. Uh, do you want me to drop your plug or do you want to drop it now? If, if you could just drop it for me. And sure. To, Will do. Good luck, man. I, I know your pain. <laughs> I, I think I think everyone except Dave really knows the pain here. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, just, I, I just know it enough to be like, well, it's a good thing I'm not a dad because I'd be bad at it. <laughs> Aww. I've got two, so I, I definitely understand. <laughs> I've been the bad child, and I don't, uh, you know. <laughs> so, some of us just don't have, uh, it, it's one of those things like, uh, I don't want to inflict my temperament on a developing human. That's probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I'm going to sign off now and just see, check you guys out next week. And uh, hopefully without cutest co-host being sick in the background. Yes, okay. I say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. She says bye-bye with her bear. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, but yeah, to, to backtrack us back to the original question... Uh, speaking of which, stay tuned for me. Uh, go, go listen to me uh, cut out ninety percent of the way through a backtrack episode that just went up. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, to, to backtrack to the original question, uh, the uh, uh, the N sixty four is a weirder piece of hardware in addition to being a uh, weird to having like weird games like. The N64, I think, gets to live on in infamy as the system that doesn't have a sound chip. <laughs> so that every, like, anything, any sound processing it does is being, is cycles being stolen from the main CPU, which is just, just not something anyone wants to deal with at any point ever. It sounds horrifying. Yeah, it's it's a weirdly laid out system. Nothing else works like it, and that's why it's so hard to emulate it now because like, it's not really a solved problem how you deal with its idiosyncrasies, and not enough people are willing to fight to be able to play Iggy's Wrecking Balls. So, Ogre Battle sixty four was the main reason. It's a that's that's the the good. There are two good RPGs on that thing: Ogre Battle sixty four and Paper Mario. Everything else is like, oh, what is this even doing here? Like, that, that's the other thing that I wanted to just briefly touch on. It's like, its library is one of the most imbalanced of any system ever, where it's like, if you bought an N64, you were going to get the best 3D platformers available at the time, the best console-based first-person shooters available at the time, and, like, some good games in other, plat in, in other genres, and... Everything like anything like RPGs was just going to be like you'll get maybe one a year and you have like a coin flip odds of it being any good at all. Quest sixty four being being you know <laughs> in that list. Yeah, Quest sixty four, Aiden Chronicles, the first mage. 
I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know what that is. Extraordinarily bad. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. <laughs> Stay the course. Continue to not know what Aiden Chronicles the First Mage is. I am aware of it because I had Nintendo Power. Yeah, that was one of those things, like, it was a late N64 game, so Nintendo Power was, by obligation, had to cover it a lot because it's like, well, there's nothing else to preview. Mm-hmm. No, no, here's what's funny is we had we were still getting Nintendo Power, and we didn't own an N64. Huh. Huh. Um, mostly because we, I mean, we really enjoyed like the other games that were coming out for it. Um, I and granted, like I picked up. And even after the the whole N64 thing, I actually still was getting Nintendo Powers when GameCube came out, and I owned a GameCube. Just picked That's up how come I know up. about Lost Kingdom. <laughs> oh, Lost but, Kingdom. That was kind of a neat game. I don't like it because it's a card game RPG, but it's neat. <laughs> but it's not It's not a terribly bad RPG, card-based RPG. From software, yeah, no, it's just, I, I just am irrationally prejudiced against card-based RPGs. Yeah. It's not, this it's is me no... acknowledging that it's a neat game despite being a thing that I can't interface with. Yeah, it's, it's no Fantasy Star Online Episode 3 card game. Oh my god, that was horrible. <laughs> that game got announced as Fantasy Star Online card battles and then, like, for some reason got turned into, oh, this is the next Fantasy Star Online. This is Episode 3. Uh, ca- Captive Augmented Reality Data Revolution. Oh, why do you know That's that That's what cards thing? stood for. <sighs> yeah. It, 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 yeah. I own it. It's uh, it's never been re-released in any other fashion, so... Well, neither has uh, the Fire Emblem game for the GameCube either. Yeah, but that one might actually come back someday, whereas Fantasy Star Online has been repeatedly re-released as 1, 2, and 4. Very fun for me. Huh? There was a 4th? Yes. Uh, one, two, 4 was Blue Burst. It was PC exclusive. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Did not know that. Yeah, there's there's still fan servers of it. Uh, that's how I played Fantasy Star Online properly for the first time. But yeah, it's it's just very funny to me that that card card is one of my favorite uh, nonsense uh, acronyms in a video game uh, that actually has a definition because like. The best nonsense acronym in a video game that doesn't have a definition is the parody one in Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, Blood Moses. <laughs> but, well, remember, there was that whole period of time with the DS when it first came out where every title had DS in its name and it stood for something. Devil yeah, Survivor. it was really good. Dragon uh, Song. Yeah, Dragon Song. That was not good. Uh, Dawn of Sorrow. <laughs> uh, Dual Strikers. Uh, uh, Advance Wars Dual Strikers? Uh, Dual Strike. Uh, or Dual I think Strike, you might yeah. be conflating with Guilty Gear Dust Strikers. <laughs> I own both. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I like the Guilty Gear fighting games. I do. Oh, yeah, they're neat. It's just that Dust Strikers was not a very good one. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I think I lost it in an airport. <laughs> you know what? That's one of those things where it's like we consider this a mutual separation. It's like uh, Black Seagull. I lost an entire DS in a hotel room. <laughs> wow, for the best. <laughs> With Black Seagull in it. 
for the Listen, best. Listen, Black Sigil has now been exiled. Um, <laughs> With the DS it was in. Listen, it was the only way to be sure. Yeah, um, I, I know what... I, I left it in the Best Western Amarillo. Maybe someone can return it. Um, <laughs> considering it's been like 15 years. Maybe someone can return it. Uh, <laughs> but let's see. Um... Yeah, no, but, like, my personal favorite anything, like, acronym in a video game is uh, long-forgotten awful PSP action game Rengoku 2 Stairway to Heaven, where th this was incredible. Like, I don't think anything in the game actually says this, uh, but Heaven is, is, spell is, like, an initialism. It has uh, periods between each of them. It's all caps. And I remember reading the review in EGM about it, where they, like, apparently someone was curious, like, what does this stand for? And they, like, requested info from the publisher, and the publisher st responded that uh, Heaven stood for High Wire Enigmatic Automatic Violent Endless Nightmare. <laughs> um. Which, a lot to unpack there. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> and, like, uh, like I, I love all of the, the dumb acronyms, because, like, I mean, uh, Seed having an official designation for what it stands for somewhere is beautiful to me from FF8. Which, if you didn't see that image float around a few years back when someone dug up the uh, place where it was designed, uh, the place where it was designated, it was, like, some Japanese data, like, some Japanese source that stated that Seed stood for Specialist Lesson Elegant Man Elite Danger Zone. What? <laughs> or, or, what oh, I also really love the ones for the uh, Shin Megami Tensei Rado, ser Rado, Rado series. Rado Kuzunoha? Rado, yeah. Those were always, like, Rado whatever versus the... They're really long. They're like, really if you long, spell yeah. out the full name of the original uh, of the first ps2 one it's shin megami tensei devil summoner raido kuzunoha versus the soulless army which i actually own yeah it's okay. a great game i don't uh, own the second one though oh, i had to get the man. second one at launch because i wanted the raiho plushie yeah i same i think the second one was coming out during that period where i was getting out of the military so I Ooh. was trying to save money, so I didn't... There, Like, the games I was buying were very specific. Oh. That makes sense, that makes sense. You it's a really good game if you I, ever get around to it. I don't think I got that one at launch. I think I found it at a GameStop for 20 bucks when I was... And that was, like, when I was just starting to get into the SMT series. They were yeah, probably clearing I, it out because it was just one of those situations where it's like somehow they had more copies than they needed. Yeah. yeah. My, my personal GameStop story was finding Brutal Legend like 10 years after launch for like four bucks in a GameStop. I've mentioned this story before and I'll mention it again. I will never get over finding a copy of Mark Echo's Getting Up, Contents Under Pressure, marked down to one cent. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't even think their computers would let them mark anything down that low. Wow. But they, for for whatever reason, it was there with a price tag of one cent. They, I guess, they just really wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> I also like the fact when their used copies are more expensive than their new copies. 
That's that's always weird. I always wonder what happened there. Yeah, because that's how I got one of the uh, Talier games. Was uh, like the the I was when I go shop when I do my big shopping run, uh, usually around tax return. I you know pick up a lot of used games, but yeah. I will always double check against the new one, and it's like oh, used game like forty five dollars, new version twenty. I'm like ooh, <laughs> a steal. So. That, and, and in fact, uh, actually, the last time that happened, it was uh, Assassin Creed Odyssey. I picked up for like fifteen dollars cheaper than Odyssey. used. Oh, nice. not that Odyssey. <laughs> no, not Lost Odyssey, which was the third game, by the way, for the Xbox 360. It was Lost Odyssey, not Operation Darkness, and Tales of Vesparia were my th- rule of three for the Xbox yeah. 360. No, I was singing the Mario Odyssey theme song though. Oh. <laughs> My apologies. It's all good. Lost Odyssey is also good. (laughs) That's the best thing to come out of the Mistwalker deal. That's my Final Fantasy XI. Better than it is. Yeah, I'm. I loved the dream bits. I thought those were really well written. I thought the base game, and I and I got through two discs of the thousand years of dreams bits in Lost Odyssey. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so I got through two discs of the base game in, in Lost Odyssey, and I was not enjoying the game, like the story in the game itself, but those Thousand Years of Dream story bits were amazing. Oh, yeah. I think those were, like, actually... There were two different writers. Yeah, they were write, written by, like, a novelist. And yeah, they they were they were able to tackle things that you can't really fit into like a standard JRPG structure. So like it made them a little more. Uh, they they had a bit more texture to them than the base game of uh, Lost Odyssey, which, aside from the immortals in it, has a lot of just like here's some like Final Fantasy IV DNA. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, what question are we on? <laughs> uh, we're technically st- we we have long since left this behind, but we are technically still on which is more interesting as a platform, the original Xbox or the N sixty four. Oh, <laughs> um, Xbox. neither. I, I would say that the the N sixty four is weirder, but the N- Xbox has more things that you've never played that you might actually want to play. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can I can agree with that. That and it uh, brought uh, us th- Xbox Live. That makes it important, but I like my heart is always with games that are weird trash, and there's a lot of strange weird trash oh, yeah. on the original Xbox because like Mechasoft. it was from a period when Microsoft didn't know how much third-party support they'd get, so they paid for a lot of games that ended up only like from tiny weird studios that produced like two games and then went out of business, and also produced games with names like Kakuto Chojin fighting superheroes. Have some weird, that... It has some weird uh, From Software games on there, too. Yeah, uh, that's actually probably From Software's best output during that period, because you get uh, from, from Metal Wolf Chaos and both Otogi games. Yeah, well, actually, one of my favorite Xbox games, which had a PS2 sequel. Is this Crimson Sea? Yes! <laughs> I was actually ranting about this to some friends recently, like, just the weirdness of... Crimson Sea is an Xbox exclusive game that has a PS2 exclusive sequel. And and they're good games. Yeah, they're they're Koei, aren't they? I, yeah, they're Koei games, but they're like sort of 
Koei shooters, which is very odd for Koei. Huh. Yeah, like they were they were not the kind of games you usually associate with them, and they're kind of neat. Yeah, I I picked them up because I was a big fan of Dynasty Warriors. So yeah, and and I was like, oh Koei, I know this studio. I want to try these games out, and I really enjoyed Crimson Sea. I got decently far. I, I ended up on one level that was just kicking my butt, and and other games were coming out that I wanted to play. Which is the story you know, of, was, of my gaming game. career. It's like, oh, I'm halfway through this game. Oh, look at, oh, look, new shiny. Um, <laughs> that is how I play games. Um, yeah, no, you're you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or at so, least you're in the company of me and Wheels. You decide whether that's good or not. <laughs> except for Artonelico, where it's like, I will ignore all life for a full weekend and beat this game. Which is <laughs> how I beat Artonelico, because I spent basically the entire weekend. Because I got off work Friday night, I ignored my phone, I ignored my computer. I literally sat down and played that game straight for an entire weekend and beat it, and I loved the crap out of Artanelka. It was one of those games where, like, I enjoyed what I played of it. I just, I never, like, it It seems like the kind of game where you're actually kind of better served by just going straight through it, because it's just a lot of sort of keeping characters and their motivations uh, together and, like... The more of that you get in a straight shot, the more you can sort of sympathize with them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I also just really enjoyed the music in Artonelco, which was oh, that's, 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 that's all gorgeous. Yeah, the soundtracks in those games are crazy good. So. I do uh, want to bring up another of the weird, the incredibly weird original Xbox library with uh, Namco developed uh, first person Punch Man game Breakdown. <laughs> I think I've heard of that. I don't own it. I believe it's compatible with Xbox Series X at this stage, which is nice. What's it called? Oh. Breakdown. Oh, that, that, going back to Crimson Sea, that's the another thing I hate is it's not actually um, compatible with the upscaling. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So you, so unless you own an original Xbox, you cannot play Crimson Sea. Yeah, I don't like. I I could see them. If they ever go back to original Xbox games on uh, Series uh, X backwards compatibility, it would be nice to see something like Crimson Sea come back. Yeah, well, I think I think Microsoft was leaving it up to developers, and Namco doesn't see the you know the need. Koei or... doesn't see any need to go back to that franchise, so we're just never going to see it again. Yeah, I don't think the franchise sold well. Yeah, it, it feels like moving moving the sequel to PS2 was like a bid to see, like, well, will this sell well on a more popular platform? And the answer was still no, so they just sort of gave up. Yeah, I really enjoyed Crimson C2. I mean, I because yeah. they they actually, I think Crimson C2 was definitely the, because they changed a lot of direction in the way the game flowed, and it made it a better game. But unfortunately, again, the jump between Xbox to PS2 and then the game itself not being well received because oh it's a sequel never played the first one most people probably didn't even know the first one had a u.s release it was it was a very strange title i but i really enjoyed both so yeah I'm, and it's now a hundred dollars so oh well it's good to know i i, I have i have a pretty expensive collection but yeah. I don't have the most expensive collection of some of the people on RP Gamer, but I have a very <laughs> extensive, expensive collection. Ask Wheels about his Saturn games. 
Do you have? I Pan- have a few. Do you have Panzer Dragoon Saga? I do have Panzer Dragoon Saga for the Xbox. Oh, oh so- Orda is the Saga. Xbox. Oh, I have Saga. The... Yeah, I don't have Saga. Um, I I have, I, I had to pick up a lot of stuff used. So I have like some really weird used stuff. I mean, you get a lot of strange things out of the used bins. Uh, I, I, this is something I've mentioned before, and it's like one of my chief regrets as a human being is never is not having purchased this. My it's my favorite eBay auction I've ever seen. Uh, so uh, speaking of weird N sixty four games, uh, someone like ten years ago or whatever, a friend sent me this. They, someone was eBaying a copy of Hybrid Heaven, which is a weird. Uh, N64 action RPG from Konami uh, that mostly involves your character doing wrestling moves on things. Uh, but for like the eBay listing just said Hybrid Heaven parentheses I drew a mustache on it, <laughs> and it was in fact the cover of Hybrid Heaven with the like the it was a the it was a cartridge of Hybrid Heaven where the like cover art had had a mustache crudely drawn on it and then to make this incredible the game was inexplicably labeled as Mario Kart 64 by eBay itself huh and no guesses as to what happened there but I regret not purchasing it for the comedy value of owning such an object (laughs) Sounds, sounds like something I would have bought back in my day. Because it's just one of those things like, why did you do this? Why did you put this here? <laughs> to put a mustache on it, man. I did draw a mustache on it. I respect the mustache. I, I think this comes to one of my favorite lines from How I Met Your Mother. It's a little bit of shock and awe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. This mostly runs us out of questions. We've got some in the Discord, I think, but we don't want to go too far without Gaijin here. I promise. Especially because I think he would have opinions on at least a couple of these. So No, there was one. Uh, yeah, we should get his opinion on this one from the Discord, but I did say we'd do it in the next episode, so we should at least touch on it. Yeah, we can touch on it, and then we'll, we'll touch on it again because we'll probably have more opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Where... Where... Which channel is the Discord for? Podcast. Yeah, oh, it's just in podcast. I, I, I never podcast. look at that channel. <laughs> it used to be labeled Q&A Quest. We got people... People stole our thunder. It's now labeled podcasts. Uh, let's see. But I'm There's... the guest, so... Let's see. Budai taunting us for not liking Breath of Fire 3 enough. Uh, or Breath of Fire in general, but... I mean, I love Breath of Fire. I I did enjoy the third game. I just got to the point in the, the late stages where I could not beat a boss, and I think it was like the second to last. That's, that's boss. a really easy place to like fall off of an RPG is getting stuck on a boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially when you're late game, because it was not easy to level in that game, and I didn't really understand some of the more core mechanics of the tutor system which I still don't understand to this day, and I think that was where my big fall was. Oh, yeah, that's a weird system. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I get the oh, no, no, you're yeah. fine. Uh, uh, yeah, I found the question from Monkepi. Yep. Yeah. 
You want to read uh, it? Read or shall I? You can go ahead. Okay, this is from Moncappy. Uh, I was discussing with someone about game reviews, and the thought occurred to me. Uh, the question is largely directed to the site staff. When writing a review for the site, is the approach of the review intended to be a critical analysis of the game as a work, or a product review, or as a bit of both? Uh, as with any question where you give us some ambiguity, the answer is kind of a bit of both. But yeah. uh, we can we can delve into this a bit more. Uh, just like we we also has written more RPG gamer reviews than me, yeah. so I think uh, he should be the first to speak up here. I mean, and and, and I'm not a reviewer. Yeah. Uh, well, none of us are technically our site positions are reviewer, but that doesn't mean that people don't write reviews. Yeah, I I had a few thoughts on this because. It can definitely be a bit of both, but depending on the game, it can lean one way or the other, or be mostly one thing. Like, uh, I think there were a few, like, ports of games. Uh, Where, you, like, if you're doing a port, like, you kind of, a, a lot of the review ends up being, like, it does the port faithfully reproduce the object? Yeah, or what are the new features and stuff, and then it feels like mostly a product review, and you're not really talking about the original game too much, which maybe isn't the way to go about it but it's just just how it ends up sometimes i think it's also like this is something that sticks out to me it's like when i see reviews of games that are uh more mechanically uh built than narratively built like that are meant to play more on like your interest in solving the combat or like you know resource management that sort of thing that lends itself to more product review style reviews because it's like it becomes more about like well does it succeed at that whereas like something that is more narratively driven like you kind of have to analyze the narrative yeah. because you can't determine whether the narrative worked for you without having some degree of analysis of what it was and what it was attempting so that would just be my uh, little spiel on that. Yeah, makes sense. But, yeah, and like I think it's important that like we people don't like to think of the the reviews that they write as like product reviews, like because that that carries the sense of like you're just determining whether it checks off boxes. But I think like that kind of review is necessary. Yeah, to some extent, like. You need both, like, these sort of uh, critical thematic analyses and, like, these, like, well, how does it function as an object? And, like, right. different kinds of reviews provide different uh, perspectives on what you're trying to get out of it, which helps yeah. people better understand what they're in for. It's especially when we're talking about RPGs. Like, there's so many different ways that uh It, it can just RPGs go all along the spectrum. Right. Like, if, if I were to write a review of Disgaea games, which I have multiple times, you really have to spend a lot of time on the minutia of how the heck does this stupid thing play? How does this thing work? Yes. Which Be falls into the product review part of the spectrum. Right. And there's really, there's even all that much room for the like the art aspect shall we say and, and like the the narrative or the aesthetic is is fun in disgaea and it's important that it uses that to hide some of the like the fact that you're playing a giant spreadsheet but you know like and then 
And then you have the opposite side of the spectrum, I'm going to argue, is um, Fire Emblem Fates, where the only true way to really review that is by taking the entire game as its whole and not just the individual, you know, storylines, Conquest or I forget the other one. Birthright. Birthright. But yeah, like it's it, it very hard to, to really that game. Uh, you, I, I felt that in order to really give that game a fair review, you had to play all three storylines because in, yeah, in a specific order. In a specific order. It's garbage. Uh, but, uh, well, going back, uh, as I was saying, you know, you have to play all three in a very specific order to actually make sense of the story as a whole. And that is sort of an artistic way of looking at the review the game for a review i'm not i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm just saying i now for me i was defending it when a lot of people weren't but Mm -hmm. because i played it in that specific order where i did rebirth first and then i did conquest and then i did the third story arc which is revelation i think yeah revelations which if you follow the story from one to the other in that order it makes sense but if you did quest, it seems like the before. the intended order both because that's also like moving from easiest to hardest <laughs> but, yeah but do i think it was a good idea for them to do it that way no but as far they, as they kind of tried that same idea again with three houses they just didn't try to sell it as separate games and that probably helped people better understand that these were different perspectives mm-hmm. yeah but the but you still had to do that those perspectives in a certain order for it to be like because if you didn't do it in like specific order for story, then some of the events from one don't make more sense in a certain order. And that's how I'm doing rebirth before conquest. You the story bits actually do make more sense in that route because of what you learn from rebirth applies to conquest. But what you find out in conquest didn't apply to doesn't doesn't really affect what's going on in birthright yeah or in birthright right but doing it in that order actually causes the story to evolve and Hmm. so that that's an artistic way of doing a review for it because and but not yeah like you could analyze like the successes and failures of that and like what the how those stories interplay or you could do the product review version where it's like these if these don't make sense if you don't play them the right way and they sold them differently and that's weird. <laughs> yeah, if, I'm so not I'm like, not agreeing with the way that it was made. Definitely. Yeah, but, it's just more a question of whether it succeeds on its own terms. Right, and so uh, and a lot of people's complaints were about oh, you know, this story makes no sense, and it's like well, the story makes sense, but you have to do it in Birthright Conquest Revelations order. You can't if you take one bit out of order the game doesn't make any sense you suddenly have to like do a lot more mental gymnastics to see what the connections are supposed to be though again i would argue you only need to do conquests (laughs) and revelations in your phone there there is Uh, a few minor minutiae in birthright that actually does matter to the overarching story but you don't doing conquest without birthright is fine it's just there's a few minor tidbits that really make a few things connect better. Mm. But it's if just you didn't want to play Birthright, I understand that. I'm not going to debate. You need to do it. I'm just saying this is how the game looks like it was in, 
Sure, sure. Century yeah, meant I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But yeah. You know, uh, if you played only Revelations, which I don't know if you could actually I don't even, do, I don't, don't care. There was no way to do that unless you bought a game, uh, one of either Birthright or Conquest, and then bought the uh, DLC and refused to play the actual original game you had bought. They never tried to sell Revelations by itself, thankfully. Uh, if you got the special edition that had everything on the cart... Oh, lordy, I forgot about that. Yep. You could technically do that. I don't yes, know why you you'd do it, but you could. And then you'd just be really confused. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that that is that is a point, though, for where a review probably could have gone a more artistic route versus a more mechanical product review route. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot to dig into there about like the like that is a narratively ambitious concept and like what how that works and whether it works is like an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, no, I am interested to see a guy a guy gives a. Uh, take on it mm-hmm. uh yeah we're, we'll have to we'll have to discuss next week what uh, with gaijin about the rest of this uh question but yeah that's that's kind of our preliminary takes on it and i'm glad that we can also have uh have you on tam to have uh, your take as well it, besides me trying to type all that out <laughs> <laughs> it's fine it's fine <laughs> but yeah uh Otherwise, there's some other stuff that might technically be a question, but we can probably save it for next week. There was something that I kind of wrote out a preliminary answer on, uh, but that, we'll treat that as a question for next week. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Wheels is probably at the point where he's about to die. So, and I'm weirded out by all the time that you spend like actually sleeping in this game. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, so, is there anything we want to bring up before we start doing the closeout rigmarole? Uh, Monster Hunter Rise is now 14 days away? Two weeks. Imagine that Wheels in real life just has a big red calendar marker there that just tells him he has to finish Dragon Quest Seven and Persona 5 before <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise comes out or it's game over. Yeah. Actually, that's what I've been picturing this whole time anyways. He and, he and uh, JC Servant. Yeah, oh yeah, we're frantically trying to finish stuff. Uh, yeah. Because I, I know JC Servant wants to finish Dragon Age 2 before it comes out. Yeah, that's not that long a game. That should be doable. Well, he. I've been watching his streams and commenting. Um, I, will, yeah. I will not go... So... He's he's not purposely going out of his way to try and find every single side quest. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately in Dragon Age hurts you a lot. Ah. Uh, because you know that's loss of lightly experience. under leveled as far as the game is concerned. Right. The other thing is is the game. So he's playing a mage. Yeah. And the game really designates certain people as you know, healer and whatnot. So mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's got a double mage, which is fine, but the other mage he has is not the designated healer mage. Oh. Because he doesn't like the way that uh, that particular character is, or he's kind of like, manipula- um, according to him, manip- manipulative and whatnot. Um, mm. And I can understand it. I've beaten the game. Um, Same. 
so if you don't take oh, him along, oh, I realized who you're talking about. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> if yeah, if you don't take him along, then you as the mage need to kind of fill in his. You have role, to fill in that role because yeah, <laughs> which he's not doing either. He's taking the baseline healing stuff, but he's not taking that specific healing s- subset either. Mm-hmm. So because he's losing out on all that healing magic power. He's having a very rough time keeping his party alive on a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, he was fighting a dragon earlier, and it was, he was having a rough time. Mm. But so, yeah, it, it's definitely um, it, I can see why he has such issues with Dragon Age as a whole because he's not appro- he's approaching it from his personal perspective, and unfortunately, it's Dragon just Age drive with how the game wants you to play it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's it's, it's we've all a, done that with at least one game. <laughs> yeah, and, and and unfortunately, a lot of games do it that way too. It's not just Dragon Age. Yeah, or you you know they you have, have like have kind of a rigid intended play structure. Yeah, and even though it gives you these plethora of characters you can take, certain it characters really are still more ideal than ones. others. So I'm 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 not going to fault him for doing it this way. It's just it, the game does kind of punish you if you don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah I think this we're we're gonna have to call it quits. Wheels' stream is doing weird things now. Yeah, um, it's just de- disconnected and reconnected. I'm not sure why. Right. Yeah, so, uh, it should be fine since you're doing a local recording, but. Uh, yeah, um, so, uh, I'll quickly do Gaijin's plug, and then we can, if, Tam, if you have anything you want to plug, we can do that as well, um, but, uh, to quickly get us out of the way, uh, available, uh, via Amazon on Kindle, or within a few paperback collections, I believe three at the moment, uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which is available, uh, it's on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Uh, be sure to leave nice reviews. Uh, they always seem to make its day at the very least. And uh, you can find them uh, under the name Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Uh, so, you know, uh, keep it in mind if you need, uh, if you want some relatively light uh lighthearted uh girls playing D D action so there's your option uh tam do you have anything you want to plug uh, i'm going to plug that we here at rp gamer are streaming seven days a week on twitch which is twitch.tv slash rp gamer a uh, variety of people playing we've got paul's doing morning stream uh, Herfrog doing a midday stream twice a week. Scar's Scar RPG doing a real roulette, and then Monday through Friday you can catch JC Servant playing um, either random uh, roguelikes. Um, or he's also doing playthrough right now, uh, as we just discussed, Dragon Age Two. Sometimes I get on doing some late night stuff. Um, so definitely expanding that and you can check us out at rpgamer.com for the latest in game rpg news as well as uh, links to our discord we have editorials reviews and many other features as well yeah 
And uh, if you want to tune into the Twitch stream, you may even catch us recording this podcast. (laughs) That's right. And I'll usually have some game streaming. Um, Sometimes it will randomly turn into five different games when you get bored three seconds into any of them. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But I also stream some 3DS games, which you don't see on Twitch very often. Or ever, really. That's a very, very rare thing to see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so check out RP Gamer, check out the Discord. Please join us on the Discord if you want to leave questions there. We're always happy to read them. Uh, we've still got we we took at least one a uh, couple from the Discord technically because I think one of the wheels got some DMs of questions via yeah. Discord, and we had the one uh, from Moncapi, which uh... yeah, Moncapi's uh, question was also from the Discord. And we have a, we have another one that we might get around to. Uh, and of course, Fire Miner's gigantic list was also delivered via the Discord, which is quite nice. Which I don't think we touched this week. Yeah, we didn't touch that this week. It's it's usually one of those things where it's like we love those questions and we're glad to have them, but it's we have a big list so that we can keep track of them. Whereas a lot of the other ones, it's like we get we get them as we we get to them as we get them, so that we don't forget to get them later. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for letting me pop in here. I'm glad that. Uh... I was able oh, to no, make pleasure. it for the full thing instead of just typing in responses as it goes. No, no, it's been a pleasure. If you ever, if you, if the stars ever align again, you can, and you want to come back on, let us know. Definitely. Uh, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you want to leave questions via the comments section, Budai demonstrated that works quite well as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think, I guess, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. Have a good one, everyone. See ya. Yes,